everybody. Um, I think I've met everybody in here. Um, if, if not before, then just now this morning. But anyway, my name is Dave Sutton. Uh, we've been members here at Delray for a year and a half or so. so um, married to Shannon, who's off on a trip with her mom this week, so, which is not relevant to this course. But anyway, that's who we are. Uh, and I've got two daughters here as well. Um, let's pray before we dive into lesson. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would um, still our hearts from the busyness of last week and what's looming this coming week, um, enable us to attend to your word, uh, both here and as we gather together later this morning. Lord, teach us, show us more of yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, what is prayer? I think if you were in this uh, course a couple of weeks ago when Garrett taught, he had a definition. Um, anybody remember the definition? The basic one, if you were in that class? Conscious, prayer is conscious, personal communication with God. Right, it's a pretty simple definition. Uh, and if you remember, if you listen to that, uh, if you listen to that or if you were here for that, by the way, I recommend you listen to it. It was a really good, really excellent lesson. Um, he asked for some additional insights from the class. All right, what, what else might we add to that definition of conscious personal communication with God? Um, folks noted things like uh, it's the fact that God invites us to do it. He's ready to listen, so it's mutual communication. Uh, even though we, don't, maybe we may not hear something audibly, um, it's authentic, real communication. It's, it's not just some incantation to a power in the sky, right? It's real, it's real communication with God. Um, it's available to us in a special way because of Christ, because of what he's done to us and the access he's given, us to, given to us. Um, Garrett pointed out Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said prayer was to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches from an inexhaustible storehouse, which is awesome. And I, I wish, I, I pray that I have more of a view of prayer like that, that I see it as coming to him to gather riches from God's storehouse. Um, lots of good stuff in that lesson from a couple of weeks ago. But I probably I was mildly tempted just to say, why don't you all listen to that lesson and then add doing it corporately. And then we're done, right? But uh, actually that would be, not only would that be lazy, of course, um, it's, we want to draw attention today and I hope raise our view of corporate prayer together. Um, the only thing I would add by way maybe of, of definition or framing for our lesson this morning is just what are we talking about when we say corporate prayer? Um, we're certainly talking about congregational prayer, which is I think what kind of comes to some of our heads uh, initially, but also prayer in small groups like we do on Sunday nights, um, even prayer with one another, just another brother or sister or two, uh, maybe after church or at a coffee uh, or something like that. So basically what we're covering generally here in corporate prayer is prayer together with other believers. Um, some of the points that we'll go through today will, might apply more or less to kind of the corporate prayer side or smaller groups, but they all, I hope, will encourage us to, to pray together. Um, I hope as we go, and I know as I studied for this, I was challenged that we'll all see corporate prayer as normal um, and good and desirable and necessary for our life together um, and in our Christian walk. So to that end, we're going to look today at four Ps. And I've never really been an alliteration guy, but I don't know if it's something in the air here or an action. And I will give credit. So I, I was running this by Shannon, my wife, and she just like, huh, that, this, this topic, and she like P's came into her head. And so I'll give her credit for the four P's if you like alliteration. I'll say, total side note, men, listen to your wives. They, an excellent wife, who can find? Her value is far above jewels, right? So that's for free. That's a side lesson. But anyway, <laughs> so we're going to look at four P's. 
of corporate prayer today. And you can see them there on your, on your handout. The, the pattern that we see in the scripture, its purpose, briefly, um, the practice of it, a few, a few things for us to consider as we pray together corporately, and the power, the blessings that we receive from, from corporate prayer. So we'll just dive right in here. Um, the pattern of corporate prayer, we really see it all throughout the scripture. Can somebody look up Acts 1.14, sword drill? Whoever has it first, just stick your hand up and go ahead and read it out. Anybody? Ravi, go ahead. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Right. The ESV reads, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. I think your version said constantly in prayer, right? So we see right from the beginning of the early church, they were devoting themselves to prayer. And that just didn't mean they all went to their house and were really serious about their prayer time. That means they were devoting themselves to prayer together as, as a church. Acts 2.42, that verse that we all know about the early church says that they devoted themselves, there's that word again, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. So we see it all over, even in, right, starting out right in the beginning of the New Testament. It's not only there, though. We see it all through the Psalms. Right, the psalm, think about the psalms are prayers. Many of them are, in the, are written in the first person singular. So I, me, my. But there are many in there that are also songs of corporate worship. Psalm 46, if you want to look at that later. Um, corporate confession and cries for help. Psalm 44. Um, corporate lament. Psalm 89. Um, and even then, the psalms that were in the first person often begin with, to the choir master. Right. So what does that tell us? Designed to be sung, right? And that's, you know, we do the same thing. Think about the hymns that we sing. A lot of them say I and me and my, right? All I have is Christ. But I tell you what, I'm, I'm encouraged to hear 400, 400 other brothers and sisters singing that together with me, right? We, we are praying that together and we are acknowledging that together. And so even the, even the Psalms are for corporate use as in prayer together. Um, we see it all the way back in Judges, the people of Israel, we're constantly calling out to the Lord as a people, right? In that case, it was their constant cycle of disobedience, and then they would be overtaken by the Philistines in judgment, and then they would be driven to call out together to the Lord. And you see some references there in Judges. Um, Esther called the nation to a fast, and we presume there, I would presume that she's also calling them to seek the Lord during this time, not just go hungry for three days and we see what happens, right? This is a fast, and we've had some teaching on that here, and I think a lesson on that in, in this seminar. Examples all over the place um, of Israel's leaders leading the people of Israel in prayer together, not just praying in front of them, but leading them in prayer. So Exodus 15, right after Israel is saved by passing through the Red Sea, um, we read Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. So it was all of them together singing to the Lord. Um, Moses' song in Deuteronomy 32, where his final words to Israel, it says, Moses spoke the words of this song in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. So he didn't just go up on a mountain and pray to the Lord. Uh, he did, right? But it, it, he wasn't just saying, okay, all Israel, hang out here for a minute. Um, I'm going to have a, a one last prayer. He sang that before the congregation of Israel and, and invited them to pray with him. Um, same thing in 1 Kings 8. Um, this was at the temple dedication. And Solomon prays in the presence of all the assembly of Israel. And David in uh, 1 Chronicles 16, this is when he's established as king and the ark is brought to Jerusalem. David appoints songs to be sung by the priests and the, and the uh, musicians. 
And in verse 36 in chapter 16, it says, all the people said, amen, and praised the Lord. So that was a corporate, that was a corporate act going on. David didn't just say, you guys go have a little concert back here because we're happy. This was to, for the, the congregation of Israel to come in. Um, for your later read, consider, while we're waiting, somebody look up Colossians 4.2, um, and then Ephesians 6.18, and Philippians 4.6. So those three. But one, one other example from the Old Testament is Nehemiah 9. Um, that's, that, that'd be some good encouraging reading. It's a, it's a great example of corporate confession the nation of Israel coming together to confess their sins to the Lord and to, and to seek his forgiveness. Um, and then, of course, in the epistles, um, we've alluded to that. We saw it at the beginning of the church in Acts, but in the epistles, we see all kinds of urging to prayer. Um, Colossians 4.2. Somebody want to read that? Who has it? Go ahead, Josh. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Right. You see the continue steadfastly in prayer. Um, somebody read Ephesians 6, 18. Go, go ahead. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all your spirits, making supplication for all the saints. All right. And so I'll, I'll read that second just so you can hear it on the, on the recording. But yeah, it's in the section where Paul is talking about our armor, the, the armor of God, right? And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then what we heard here, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Uh, and then Philippians 4, 6. Go ahead, brother. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, for thanksgiving, for your requests be made known to all right. Do not be anxious in anyth about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Um, I heard an excellent summary of that in a sermon on that verse once. It said, worry about nothing, pray about everything. So that's, that's a good summary. Jot that down and, you know, next to Philippians 4, 6. That's a good, uh, good summary for our, for our lives. But one note there. To whom were all of these epistles written? Anybody? To churches, right? So, yes, there's certainly an individual application for us. We ought always to be praying at all times with prayer and supplication. We ought to be worrying about nothing and praying about everything. But Paul wasn't writing to them about what to do when they dispersed and went into their little closets. He's writing to the church about what they should be doing as individuals, but also, and certainly, when they're, when they're gathered together as a church. So I spent some time on that just to say, look all through the scripture and we see that it, when God's people are together, God's people pray. This is, remember what I said, this is normal. This is not something, well, I, I really need to work on my prayer time. And oh, by the way, when I come to church, we have a corporate prayer. And, you know, they make us do this group thing on Sunday nights where we pray together. This is something that is God's people we want to do. This is necessary for our lives together as, as believers. So there we have enough examples there of people praying in the scripture, why, what, what's the purpose of our corporate prayer? And you could do, come up with a lot of these, but why do we see some people come together to pray? Um, can somebody look up Acts 4, 24 to 30? This is, I think this is a good example of a corporate prayer. Maybe we'll, I'll, we'll read through that. Somebody got that one? Go ahead, uh, Kevin. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them? Who 
Father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage, and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this... <laughs> I bet the monks didn't have that problem. Right? Yeah. Thank you for your patience. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon your threats, look upon their threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Yeah. So what do we see there? What was the, the impetus for, the purpose for that prayer? Boldness, right? They, they, were, they were seeking, right? They were seeking help, right? What was the occasion of the prayer? Do anybody know what had just happened there in Acts? Right? They were being... Was that Josh? Yeah, I mean, they were being persecuted, right? And being jailed. And so now the church is gathering together and saying, Lord, you hear their threats. So, number one, in response to persecution, we see that. That's, that's the purpose for prayer. Where do we go? We go to the Lord. For what? For help, for strength. And it, it's always been encouraging and, and sometimes humbling to me to see how they started that prayer. If you notice, that first, all they did was recite to God his awesome characters. Lord, you are sovereign. You did all of this. And then they say, so please help us. Right? That's a good model for us in our individual prayer and our corporate prayer. But we see the occasions of the prayer here, certainly in response to persecution. We see it in requests for help. We already talked about judges and how the nation came to the Lord for, for relief, for help, right, in penitence, and what we just read in Acts 4. Um, we see it in the beginning of Acts, uh, in seeking guidance for, and seeking God's will when uh, the apostles were gathered together and they had to find a, find a replacement for Judas. They had two, and what it says, it says in Acts one twenty four, they prayed, Lord, show us who, who we should have here, ask for his guidance. So that's a reason for us to do that together. Um, we've already mentioned Nehemiah 9 as an example of confession. Uh, we've talked about Psalm 89 as a good example of corporate lament, um, whether it's uh, persecution, whether it's just, um, just, a, just hard things in our life together as a church and in, in members of our church, and we've done that. We've had a time of just lament and seeking God on behalf of those who are heavy laden among us. right? Um, also, Psalm First uh, Samuel seven two, the ark had been taken by the Philistines, run passed around, and it was finally back up at Kiriath Jearim, but it wasn't in Jerusalem. Um, and the First Samuel seven two says, from that day the ark was lodged at Kiriath Jearim. A long time passed, some twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. I think we could do a separate lesson on that, but I think just as a side note, I think lament. Um, is an area that we as Christians sometimes don't 
acknowledge as much um, in our own prayers and even in our prayers together. The Lord, the Lord knows when we're sorrowful. The Lord knows when we're hurting. Um, and it is good for our souls to take that to Him and lament to Him. The sin in our own lives, the sin around us, the hardships we're facing, all of those things to say, Lord, this is, help us. This is where we are and lament to Him. We see that throughout the Scriptures. Um, and we also see praise. Certainly, in 1 Chronicles 16, uh, we already talked about that, where David leads the congregation in singing and praises. Um, 2 Chronicles 30, verse 21. Um, somebody look up uh, Ezra 3.11 also while I'm reading. 2 Chronicles 30.21 says, And the people of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all their might to the Lord. So we see Israel and its leaders gathering, singing, praising God with all their might. Um, and again, in Ezra 3.11. Somebody want to read that? Who's got it? Go ahead. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Right. And you can keep, read, keep reading. It's, what did they say? For he is good and he is steadfast. And his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout. And they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Right. Interesting there it says they sang responsively. You think, where do you think responsive readings came from? Apparently it came from Ezra, right? As we sing, sing to each other, say the scripture to each other, right? And then we, as obvious, obviously as we uh, praise the Lord together in our, in our prayers. So do you, do you see a pattern here developing from what we said? Um, if we as believers, if we as believers need to pray, and we do, right, so too do, do we as a body of believers need to pray. Um, God is not just at work in me, right, or just at work in you and you and you and you. He is at work in us as a body together. Um, and so we come to him and deal with him together um, uh, as, a, as a body of believers. Any questions or comments on that first part there? I went through, through some of the lists pretty fast, but any testimonies of corporate prayer being encouraging or? Josh. I'm sorry? For healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, just, I think of uh, the passage in James. Yep. You know, if someone is suffering, you should consult the, the elders and, and the anointing of the oil and pray and pray them. Right. Uh, I think we've done that at a number of occasions, but I think, that's a, I think it's one we often overlook. Yeah. I mean, especially in our, in our tribe. Yes. We start talking about, you know, supernatural healing. Doing some healings. We'll yeah. A little, you know, I feel everybody getting uncomfortable right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that's good, Josh. Yeah, and that, I think that's worth, that, that is worth bringing out as its own. You know what I mean? You can, you can say, oh, for help. Well, not all of us are going right to, no, the Lord says we can come together and pray for his healing, right? Um, to, to that matter, we can, we can pray for a lot more than just healing in terms of God's supernatural intervention. Um, I think, uh, I know I've failed to understand that in my own heart as I pray for salvation of others. Um, that's a supernatural act. 
You know, and, and we tend to miss that. We think, oh, Lord, please save him. And I'm not being all charismatic and weird and supernatural if I pray for that, but praying for healing. No, every person that gets saved is a miracle. Supernatural act that happens outside of anything of ourselves or in creation um, wrought by God. And we pray for that, and we should. And we should see that as, as seeking God's supernatural intervention in the lives of those that we love and all of those who don't know him. So I think that's a, that's a good point, Josh. Thanks. Right. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I'm, and it's been, it's even as I said, I think I, I've, I love the corporate prayers. I love that we pray on Sunday morning. I love that we're led to do that as a congregation. I love the way we do Sunday nights here where we just break up into smaller groups. But as a congregation, we're praying, we're seeking the Lord for the things that we together have just talked about that are affecting the life of our church or lives of members of our church. I'm get a good verse on that in a minute. Um, and that is, you, you should look, I would encourage you, don't, you know, your prayers aren't hindered and the church's prayers aren't hindered if your eyes are open. So open your eyes and look around sometime. You know, I do that during when we take the Lord's Supper too. Just take in, the, I'm doing this with, a body of believers that God has saved, right? We're together in this. We together are his body and we're seeking him and he loves that and he inhabits the prayers of his people. And so um, you have to see that as our natural reaction. And like you said, put well, is it not, okay, we need to get together and figure out what our strategy is for this or, hey, let's put it out on, on, on the text. Hey, everybody, you know, pray for this. That, that's certainly a good thing. We should always continue to do that. But that the church comes together and we are mutually helping and praising with one another. That's good. All right. Well, let's look. So we've talked a little bit about, I hope, um, getting a, a, a bit of a glimpse that this is a normal thing. That's why I took all those lists out through the scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in Moses. We see David. We see Paul commanding it to the churches. We, it's everywhere. So that it doesn't just become something that's, oh yeah, one, one of the line items on our Sunday mornings um, and the way we do things on Sunday night that this is a normal thing in the Christian life. And if it's normal for us to be wanting to breathe out our prayers to God as people, it's normal for us to be wanting to breathe out our prayers to him as his people together. Um, but how should we do that? Any, does the Bible have, you know, is there any ways that we should be thinking about this? And this is, I think, just some practical stuff that will help us um, in corporate prayer. Um, and you see the first one, pretty straightforward bullet on your list there. Uh, do it, do corporate prayer. Um, and what that means is plan to do it first. Right, so make a point of being where God's people will pray. Right, so Sunday nights, for example, that's a great place to start. Um, make a point of including prayer in other gatherings. So if you're in a fellowship group, I would hope that a, I would hope that a fair amount of time in fellowship groups is certainly fellowshipping, which in a Baptistic church means eating, but also praying together. Right, sharing with one another and then praying as a group. Right, to get with each other. Make sure that's part of our first Fridays. Right? Meals with members. No reason there shouldn't be a larger item of prayer in that together because we're God's people gathered together. What do we do? We, we speak to God. We praise him together. Right? We ask of him together, all those different things. Um, and don't he hesitate to bring it into those everyday, kind of as they happen moments, meeting with each other. So like you know, after Sunday morning service and you're standing there, hey, let's pray about that. 
I, I, think, I think members of this church are great. We've had, I've had people say, say to me, can we pray about that right now if I've shared something? That's exactly what it should be. Our, our natural bent should be to go to run to the Lord together in these things. Um, and if that feels weird to you a little bit, because you, whatever, you didn't grow up doing that, or, you don't know, I would just say, embrace the weird. Like, embrace the awkward. Just do it. You have no idea how that could be encouraging to someone who's just shared, how's, how'd you go in? Ah, uh, been a rough week, I got this coming, or, you know, whatever. Kids did this, mother-in-law did that, work thing coming up, whatever it is, right? And you say, hey, can I just pray with you about that right now? Might feel a little weird? I, I, trust me, they'll appreciate it. Right? Maybe they'll feel weird and then you'll both be instructed. Right? So, and you'll both be encouraged because you've together gone to the Lord as he wants us to do. He wants us to come to him. Um, so first, just do it. Make that part of your life, not just individually, um, but together as a church. Second, listen. Right? So pay attention. Um, let's, just, let's just get it out in the open right here. We, everybody here has checked out during a corporate prayer and maybe even dozed off. I'm not, you know, we don't have to raise any hands, right? But let's fight against that, right? That, like I said, that's not just a line item on Sunday mornings. That's the church gathered together. Now we're, we're taking a moment here. We take moments to sing together. Totally super encouraged by that, listening that we should be do, having that same approach. Now we're going to pause, and together we're going to be led in praying with the Lord, praying to the Lord together as a congregation. So listen, attend to the prayer. It might be somebody leading it up front, but pray along with them so that just what we read in, in uh, First Chronicles, we can give the amen, right? We heard this and we say, yes, Lord. Yeah, I'm listening to what he's saying. Oh, yeah, that too. Yes, and we're led in that prayer. Maybe it's something we wouldn't think of. Maybe we don't have the words for it and we hear it, right? So you use that as an occasion. So don't check out. Participate in it um, so that you can give that amen. Be a part of the joy that's coming together, right, uh, to the Father as his people. Um, Listen to learn. Um, so this is one of the reasons that corporate prayer is healthy for a church, right? Not, not to hone your public prayer presentation. You're like, oh yeah, okay. I see how you pray out loud now so it sounds spiritual. No, we listen as we hear other people. Maybe they're more immature in Christ than we are, right? Or maybe they're just in a different place than we are. Or they've been through a particular trial or a particular experience. And we hear them come to the Lord. And that's instructive to us about another person, an aspect of someone else's relationship. And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I see how I, that's a, that was a good one for me to understand how to approach the Lord or a prayer that, yeah, that was in my heart and I just hadn't thought of that. Um, that he gave me words to that. And as we listen to each other pray, we're built up. Um, somebody might just be particularly good at using scripture in prayer. I know I've, I've been very instructed by that from another, a number of elders at previous churches and elders here. Um, who just, the word kind of comes out of their mouth, it, it just naturally into prayer. And you're like, oh yeah, that was a Bible verse I just heard, right? Praying God's words back to him. We can learn from that as we hear others do that well. Um, and then how do we pray? Well, go back to all that stuff in Garrett's and do all that, right? All the things about our personal prayer apply to our corporate prayer. So we want to pray in accordance with God's word and his will. Right? So when we pray in Christ's name, we're praying in accordance with who he is and what he's done and what he's revealed in his will. We want to pray expectantly. We want to pray boldly. Hebrews, come, we can come to the throne boldly. I think that's probably another one in those categories of things that maybe make some of us uncomfortable to, to what Josh was saying before is boldly. I, I tend to, feel, I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I feel a little tentative or presumptuous 
if I'm saying, if, if I feel like I'm sort of demanding, right? And yeah, we don't defiantly demand things of God. But as we come to him, we should expect big, bold things from the Lord and ask him for those things because he's, he's working. He's a sovereign God of the universe, so he's doing big things, right? And we should do that as a, as a congregation too. Come to him boldly. Come to him honestly. Um, come bringing to him, and I alluded to this, bringing him his own promises, right? Um, God loves it when we wear him out with our entreaties, right? He, Jesus didn't tell those parables for no reason. Um, and and I, I'm convicted every time I read those, you know, that he said that, that importunate widow, right? Coming to that judge, coming to that judge again and again and again until he finally answers. And then God saying, that guy answered her because he finally, she finally wore him out. And, that, and, and, that's, and God's saying, I want to answer you. You don't even have to convince me. And so we as a congregation should come and we say, let's all pray about this, whether it's a small group, whether the congregation is coming together, we should come and bring God's promises to him and then look for him to, to fulfill those so that we can give him the glory. So any other thoughts about how pray? Yeah. I just thought it was really interesting Mm. God is consistent with blessing us. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. If time and time, for any of you, some of you guys are a little bit younger. I think even you might be able to look back on your short lives, right? You, you think 16 years old. It seems really short to me. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but the Lord has done things in your life, right? You can look back and see ways God has blessed your family or helped your family through hardship or helped you through hardship, even in little things, right? And certainly the older we get, the more you look back, right, and you see, you just go, the Lord's faithful, you know, and that's, that's part of the, the joy of walking with him is that we look back and we go, yeah, sure enough, right, and I think for some, for some of us it can be, for me, it's, it's turned out to be a help against fear in the future because the more those things, that faithfulness piles up behind us, the more we not only not fear it, but almost wait to see what God's going to do in, the, in our future, Knowing it could be hard, could be good, could be all the above, but he's going to be faithful. So it was Tim, Tim that's right, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a great lesson. Use God's faithfulness and his character in the past to motivate us to expect, expect an bold prayer in the future. And that's what we see God's people doing. That was the point of that whole section, right? God's people are coming to him as the source of everything, which we should do, right? That's good. Any other thoughts on any of that, but either on how we pray or your own experience of corporate prayer? I think I asked that before, but it's your second chance. Kevin. Yeah, second chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, I think the, the aspect of what you were about sharing with one another, I think that just goes into, I think you used the word, the word humble earlier mm. as well. So it's just, it's a reminder of being humble and that it's not in our own strength of moving towards heaven. Right. Right. Um, and it's sharing that with others that encourages um, each other to then uh, go through the seasons together. So when someone's mm. going through a, pr a, a praise season, uh, we can be praising with, with them, but when someone's going through a hard season, we can uh, encourage one another and, and be there for one another as a corporate church body. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. I think, and you were, I think you, you touched on this in, in all of that as part of it, but also it, it breeds humility in us 
to share our hardships and our sins with one another. Confess your sins to one another, right? That, that doesn't, I don't think that just means confess to somebody if you sinned against them. I think it's seek help in our, in our walk together. Sin is crouching at our door and its desire is for us. We must master it. And God's given us each other to help do that, right? And to pray. Um, and it's good for us. You know, maybe you don't want to be with a group of people and say, um, I'd like prayer um, to, in my struggle against lust. Uh, there's another thing that makes us, right? A little awkward, a little, uh, well, guess what? Look around the room, not a sinless person in the room. There's not a sinless person in that small group prayer. There's not, a, right? We, we're all sinners. We need help. Nobody should be shocked that somebody needs help with a sin, and we should be helping each other along the ways to do that. So yeah, humility in our own hearts, you know, humility as a congregation, recognizing God's need, all of that. It's good. All right. We're a little ahead of schedule, but I'll, I'll talk at a reasonable pace, which I don't always do. Um, so the power of corporate prayer. And I hope this brings us back to encouragement to do it. Encouragement to see our need of it. Encouragement to see the goodness of it. Um, so what are, the, what, are we, what are the things that corporate prayer does for us that are, that are blessings that should cause us to seek it? So the first is um, that it encourages us, right? It's encouraging to us. I think this touches exactly to what Kevin was just saying. It's encouraging to us to be prayed for by other people, to hear other people lifting us up before the Lord and to hear them hear their concern for us and to know that we're not bearing that burden alone and that we together are seeking our God on this. Um, it's encouraging to us, kind of what I touched on before, as we hear others call on the Lord in ways we hadn't heard of and just with language we haven't heard of. And I listen to people pray and I'm like, Oh, yes, Lord. You know, they praise him for some aspect of his character and how I'm encouraged. That lifts my view of the Lord. They, they seek from him in a way that, with, a, with claiming a promise that I just hadn't come to my mind and I'm encouraged and I'm built up by that. It's so encouraging to look around. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, somebody look up 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. Um, an interesting way that we are encouraged in our corporate prayer. Somebody have that? Whoever's got it first? Go ahead. Yeah, First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, one, ten to eleven. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. All right. Everybody hear that? I, I, I can read it again. So Paul is talking about, he's opening up 2 Corinthians with some of the hardships he's endured. He says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Back to our theme about right God's faithfulness in the past. But then he says, you must also, you, talking to the Corinthian church, must also help us by prayer so that, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing that was granted us through the prayers of many. So one of the purposes of praying together as a church is just so you can get in on the, on the joy of seeing that prayer answered, right? So if I pray for Josh and it gets answered, that's awesome, right? I, I said, whoa, that was awesome. I, I'm, I'm encouraged because I hear my prayer answered and I know he's there. How about if we all pray together for these things and then we see it answered and then we praise together as a church and we're all encouraged by that corporate prayer. It's many more fold, right? So I just said, and, and the blessings were granted to him by the prayers of many. Many people getting together, blessings poured out, many people being encouraged and, and praising the Lord because of it. So we're encouraged by corporate prayer. Um, it disciples us, 
Uh, and we've talked about that a little bit already, right? It teaches us as we hear others pray. It forms and reinforces a habit in us of praying together. So as you say, hey, can we pray about that? Over and over again with somebody as you're talking to them, maybe they start getting into that habit of going, yeah, what, uh, oh yeah, pray, it, it, right? It some of us, some of us, takes a little longer, right, to get some habits established. So as we do that with each other, we're discipled into not just the how to pray, not just God's character, but in the habit of praying together corporately and the habit of thinking about that. And I, I, I'll just speak for myself again. The business, all the stuff to do, I got taskers. And so why is it that prayer sometimes is the thing that doesn't come immediately to mind? It might in terms of like crisis, right? But in terms of an, our natural disposition, I think we're discipled as, we help each other in that as we, as we, um, as we lead each other in, in prayer corporately. Um, it builds unity, uh, the third one. Um, and, and I've seen this happen. Um, I've, seen it in, I've seen it in meetings, leaders meetings, where there was just a hard issue, maybe. And this was, there was gonna be some discussion and maybe some disagreement and somebody would say, can we just pray, stop and pray before we do this? And we pray together. And you just, you just could feel the Lord just saying, bringing that group together to now address this problem, right? And it didn't even mean that there was agreement, but there was unity, right? And I've felt it in the church. Think about even in our own church, we've had some, if you've been in the members meetings, maybe some hard discipline cases, uh, announcements have said, we pray, let's pray, right? Look around together, Lord, help us. Right, as this body to be unified in this. And he does that because we're all, you can't help but get closer together if you're aiming at the same spot, right? So I was on a deployment once in the military and, and Shan, my wife Shannon and I read, read a book, the same book together during that time. And this was in the days before you could uh, just text. And this is like pre-internet days, it was that long ago. Um, so, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of direct communication, but we got back and people talk about this post, for those of you in the military, you know if you're not, sometimes guys get back from a deployment and you're sort of having to work life out together again, you know, because you've been apart so long. And we were amazed at how, we were like, we feel closer, almost. Not, not that being apart was a good thing, but we were both aiming at this same thing. And so, yeah, naturally we got closer. That's gonna happen in a congregation, right? If we're all seeking the Lord together, we're gonna be more unified as our gaze is on him instead of our own interests and everybody else's issues and all that sort of thing. So it, it would definitely, that corporate prayer builds unity among us. And it bears witness to unbelievers. As others see us go to prayer, right? It says something about God's character, that he's good, they hear us asking, telling him that he's good. Um, maybe it's just somebody, could be somebody overhearing you when you're praying over your breakfast at IHOP with somebody. They hear that, they see that he's trustworthy, that he's accessible. We actually go to him, so oh, he, I presume he wants them to talk to him and come to him, um, that he's desirable. These are the things that we're saying truthfully about God as we go to him in prayer um, before unbelievers. It says that he's real. Right? Now somebody, they might, if you ask them, they may not actually, they'll say, well, I don't, I don't believe he's real. Well, but we're testifying that he's real because we're stopping and we're talking to our God, right? We're communicating with the one, our creator and he's a real person, right? Um, it says that we're dependent. That's a true thing to say to unbelievers, um, that it's not of us. And in a, particularly in this day and age, um, when we hear so much about when it's just so much rancor it's social media and Christians are banging their drums and the atheists are banging their drums, we're, we're dependent. This is not about us, this is about our creator, um, right? So those are the, 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 the word, 
the, I'm sorry, corporate prayer together, right, encourages us, knits us together, teaches us, um, it forms habits in us, and it also speaks truth about God to a world that might be watching us. Maybe it's an unbeliever who comes in for a service, could be somebody watching you pray together. Um, these are all things that should urge us, to spur us on to, to be naturally drawn to prayer, not just in our individual lives, um, but together. Any thoughts on that before conclusions? Yeah, Tim. Biggest power of prayer is that it diffuses fear. Mm. Uh, mm. Satan uses fear against us all. I mean, and really bad of late, but like, um, it just diffuses yeah. the fear because it puts us there and you know it calms that fear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good aspect. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that. I'm gonna read it again just because I, I love that prayer. But that prayer in Acts, um, Acts four, when the when the disciples got together, right? Oops, no, it's Romans. I could read to you from Romans 4. It's a good chapter. But, uh, great book, Romans. So just listen. When, so the, they were released. They went to their friends, reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them, right? Hey, we got threatened. We got, you know, they're going to threaten us within an inch of our life. We can't preach for Jesus. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. So look at right, right where they started. This is, now, this is, think about this. Corporately, together, they're acknowledging. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, by the Holy said by the Holy by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. So you can see them, just like Tim said, they're they're grounding in their sense of confidence in this, starting out with God and His character. So yeah, pray, we pray to God, and right away we're face to face with the one we're praying to. And we have to start seeing his character, and that, right by its own, just by its own working, is going to encourage and cast away fear. It ought to, right? And yeah, not perfectly. Some of us just, right, need more help than others in fear. But that's a, that's a good point, Tim. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, Becky. Yeah. Share, even those last couple of things that talk about the power of corporate prayer, and that's happening in family devotions as well. Right, right. So for the purpose of the recording, in case you didn't hear it, because it was a really good question, just Becky brought out that, that family prayer is corporate prayer. So yeah, totally. There is a, uh, a lesson in the uh, equipping hour on family, on family worship. So that's a good resource to go back to, first of all, just on that topic. But um, I th I don't know if I have much more to say, Becky, other than an amen, that everything we've talked about here are they going to be the benefits to our families, and the more so for our children. How we're modeling for them pray, all these prayer, dependence on our Lord, uh, reliance on His character, um, understanding of His character, seeking Him for help. Those are all things that together as a family we ought to be doing as well. And, and I'll, I'll talk to the kids and older than kids here too. That's an encouragement to your parents to hear. I know when I've heard my children pray, I'm encouraged just to see them going to the Lord and just the things that you ask, right? Or the things that you pray to God about him can encourage your parents as you do that together. So yeah, I'll just add the amen unless somebody has something else to say about family worship. 
encourage you to go back and listen to that, that lesson on that. I forget who, I, Brian Davis, I think, did that one? Yeah, that's a good one. Well, so um, let me wrap us up here and we'll get upstairs to the kids on time. So um, I would encourage us all to resist privatizing our prayers, right? You know, you, I've heard people say, well, I'm just not big on public prayer, right? My prayers are between me and God, that's, that sort of thing. Don't do that. I would, I would just say, I would encourage you not to do that, right? Um, we certainly each have a personal relationship with Christ. He saved us each as individuals. Um, but that does not mean that our whole Christian life is just private and only up, it's only, uh, that it's nobody else's business, right? Or that we can live it alone. Um, we grow and we thrive and we live as members of one body, right? When we're saved, we are immediately made part of Christ's body, right? And of the expression of that body here on earth, which is the local church. So no part of, and no part of the body can say, I don't need the rest of the body, right? Look up, read 1 Corinthians 12, and it goes through a whole thing. If you're sure, I can't say, I don't need the foot. I, ear can't, right? Paul's just saying, we're all members of one body. In fact, at the end of that, I love the way he says it. And I was holding on to this verse to the end because it, it applied to so much of what we said. But uh, in, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 26, 27, Paul says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually, members of it. So that's a perfect summary of, yeah, our life is not just me having church in the field, being an individual. By all means, continue your private practices, right? Your private exercises of the means of grace. But realize that we are, by, by definition, in actuality, knit together as one body in Christ, suffering together, rejoicing together, right? And we ought to come to him together in prayer. Um, so there is much there is much joy and encouragement and help for us and glory given to God, right? When we come before him together as his people. So let's pray that the Lord would help us uh, to do that more and more frequently and attend to it. Um, any last questions or comments? Josh and then Pat, yeah. Real quick comment. Um, there was a, uh, so John Unwachekwa wrote a really good book um, on prayer. Mm -hmm. um, Ah, okay. John Onyechekwe, do you remember the title? Prayer. Prayer. There we go. <laughs> and if it wasn't exactly that, if you Google John Onyechekwe in prayer, I bet it comes up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Oswald Chambers, prayer does not fit us for the greater works, but prayer is the greater work. Did I do that right? Yeah, that's a great, great word. All right, let me pray for us before we go. Father, we come to you together, um, praising you for your goodness to us, um, even for our, our fresh graces this morning, for this body by which we're helped and encouraged. Um, Lord, for those who are outside of it, are on the edges, or feel like they're not knit into this body, pray that you would encourage them, that you would help them to seek out and help others to seek them out, Lord, in fellowship 
and in prayer together. I pray that we would, um, as we look around us and see these other members that you have given to the body for, of all different kinds and of all different abilities, Lord, yet we are knit together um, in our need for you and our dependence on you and our love for you. Um, and I pray that we would do that, uh, see that more and more clearly. Help us as we worship you together now, attend to your word, pray together, sing together, that we do it well into your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.